there is a, there's actually a lot of mistakes that all entrepreneurs make because they feel so logical and they feel so sensible <laughs> to do. And one of the one of the biggest ones is the sort of I'll do it myself attitude. Welcome to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we help online coaches learn how to elevate their brand, become the experts in their industries, so they can bring in more clients and create a life they want. I am your host, Chris Anderson. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. We have Matt on the show today. He is the author of Fire Boss and Change of the World that is coming out the beginning of 2023. We're recording this at the end of 2022. So exciting things coming from Matt, but he helps aspiring entrepreneurs break through the what ifs or the how to's to build a purpose-driven business. And so we're really lucky and fortunate to have Matt on the show today. So Matt, welcome to Elevate Your Brand. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Super excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. For those listening, just a short synopsis of what led you to writing your book and doing what you do today. We'll jump right into it. All right, man. Okay, I'll give you the short versions. So I have a sort of unusual, it could be usual, journey into entrepreneurship. And now I left school early at 15. I have absolutely no education, no background, no qualifications in business or anything of the sort. I spent 15 years basically being a backpacker bum, being a scuba diving instructor and working in bars and traveling around the world. And I got to 29, and when your birthday ends in a nine and you get that panic before the next birthday comes along, think to yourself, oh, my God, what am I doing with my life? Maybe I better start a business. So at the age of 29, those alarm bells started ringing. And I, as a lot of good business ideas come about, I was sat with some friends in a bar, and a couple of the guys, we'd spent a lot of time, these were my snowboarding buddies, right, we'd spent a good few years doing snowboard seasons, and one of the guys, after a couple of tequilas, said, hey, I know somebody who leased a ski chalet and ran the ski and snowboard holidays, and they said it was easy, so let's do that, and we clinked our glasses, and dug around in our pockets, realized we didn't have any money, and then against all odds, which I can dive into if you like later in the show, but against all odds, we managed to get this business going. Now, as you can imagine, having no experience, no education, no money, I've got quite a lot of stories to share about that journey. But against all odds, a decade later, I found myself with a holiday company with ski chalets all over France. We had surf camps in Portugal and Morocco. We were looking at expanding into Costa Rica and Bali. And I'd build a million dollar business with 50 staff. And, and then eventually the whole thing, primarily because I didn't set it up right in the first place, primarily the whole thing came crashing down. At that point, I had some dark times. It led me to do a lot of introspection and a lot of reflection on what had caused these sort of problems in the end with the business which actually led me to wanting to share those lessons with others. And in that journey of trying to find a lot of the reasons as to why the business might have, first of all, why it was so successful for somebody who frankly had no business having a successful business, but at the same time, why what ultimately led to its downfall in the end. A lot of the mm. lessons led me to realize the importance of purpose and doing good in the world. And that led me in about the short version to me writing a book about it and here we are that's, awesome. that's the short version <laughs> now you hear people say do you have regrets in life do you, do you 
X, Y, and Z, whatever. And I don't necessarily have any regrets, but what you just mentioned, like I've always, if I could do it over, I would not have went to college and I would have traveled around and worked little jobs wherever I went for stints just to learn and experience more to, to expand my worldview, even more than I, I was safely able to. Cause that, that had to be just, I'm sure you have so many stories and so many things that you've learned from your travels and working those different jobs that even has helped you in entrepreneurship. Would you say that's correct or no? Absolutely, man. So primarily, I think what it really gave me, because I, I traveled to 70, 70 something countries by the ah, age of 29. Awesome. And awesome. ultimately, what it gave me is an absolute pure passion and love for the world, the environment that we live in. I was lucky enough to see sort of coral reefs and mountains and rainforests and all of these awesome things. And also people who live around the world. I got some of the friendliest welcomes from people who didn't have a front door traveling in parts of West Africa and some of the friendliest people. Yeah. Hey man, come in and let's, we're going to share the last of our food with you. Whereas he's that traveling just blows my mind. That just man. blows it my really mind. Is. Cause we, I'm from Indiana here in the U S and like you walk around and you see somebody you don't know in some areas and you better be careful, but you're going, and they, like you said, they'd share the last bit of food. I just think it weird. And even myself, like I have so much growth in my worldview still to do, like we miss out. We don't understand so much of how other cultures react and work. And we just get a, a skewed view from what people put on social media. And I think that right there is just a testament to that. And just how many people are out there that are just loving people. And I think we can do that with our businesses and entrepreneurship. And like I'm sure you're about to say traveling around Europe and things is probably the opposite. Wasn't so nice of people sometimes, but it's just, that's just crazy to me. It, it was truly a wonderful experience. Man. And as well, what was so inspiring is quite often where people have the least, they show the most entrepreneurial creativity. Mm. And again, sort of meeting meeting people in the poorest parts of Asia or Africa or South America who just create these incredible ideas from nothing. It's absolutely inspiring. Yeah, that it's it really is. Like, I've been able to go to the Netherlands, which isn't like a third world country, but I've been able to go to China and walk through some of those small towns and just there. Yeah, just it's just different, and it's cool to see. I've been to Mexico and I've been to Canada, and it's just to be able to even those areas, like just seeing the difference and how people act and react to their situations is just really cool. And I think we could take a lot away as entrepreneurs, as business owners by expanding our worldview. So what if, I guess when you're traveling, do you have like one memory besides you going to those countries that they offered their last bit of food? Any memories that just stuck out to you? Like, wow, that was such a learning moment. I'm going to remember that forever type thing. Like anything like that? I know you probably have a lot of memories, but like any that stick out. Yeah, to be honest, man, usually the stories that stick out in that respect are generally not very good at the time, <laughs> right? Mm. They're the ones where I came closest to meeting meeting my maker yeah. or the, you know, the times that I completely run out of money and had to reach into my resourcefulness. And I actually think this is what gave me great grounding as an entrepreneur later in life. That if you find yourself stuck in the back end of the third world somewhere and your bank card, there's nowhere for you to even use a bank card <laughs> and you're stuck there with no money and no food and you're by yourself and you think to yourself, okay, so what am I going to do now? Yeah. And it's actually a great grounding for entrepreneurship. And one story I had in particular, I was about 20 years old. I was traveling through Sumatra and in Indonesia. 
I got malaria and I was pretty sick and I was like, I've got to get back to the UK. Actually, I live in Portugal now, but I grew up in in England. And so I was like, I've got to get back to England. And so I managed to, I was like, dragged myself out of this hospital bed against all warnings from the doctors. I was like, nah, man, I just got to get home. And this, the scenario I just used as an example, went to a bank card, my bank cards weren't working. Mm. And this was long before email, internet, phones in your pocket or anything like that. And I stood there and I was, I said, wow, I'm stuck here. I've got no money. I've got no food and I've got malaria. I'm really pretty sick. And that grounding, <laughs> actually, I've got a crazy story about how that story ended. I'll make it super yeah. quick for you. I was in a town at this point where being a tall, I'm six foot four, I had a sort of blonde, scruffy blonde hair at the time before <laughs> before they left me. I Purely by chance, this sort of fairly posh looking car looked totally out of place, pulled up to me at this this moment. It really feels quite <laughs> unreal huh. and sounds entirely made up. But a guy got out of this car and said, hey, man, have you ever thought about doing any modeling? And I laughed in his face and I said, dude, I, I'm dying of malaria here, man. I'm starving hungry. I've got no money. This is insane. And he's, hey, look, we can pay you cash in hand. And actually, the amount that they offered to pay me cash in hand was the amount I needed to get huh. back to the airport I needed to get to, to be able to get back to England. And so... Of course, I was wary, but I didn't have an option. But it, and I, anyway, I did, and there was a happy ending. And I just tried on a few different items of clothing, and they were so happy to have this That's sort awesome. of blonde guy. Which you don't get many blonde guys walking around this town. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that was that situation wasn't really solved by my resourcefulness. That was solved mm. by pure luck and something somewhere in the universe looking after me. But there's sort of. I guess the lesson remains that you can always get yourself out of bad situations. And I think it's really important for entrepreneurs just to entrepreneurs don't tend to have a lot of self-care when it comes to getting into difficult situations. And it becomes really panicky, especially if they have other people's livelihoods relying on the decisions that they make. Yeah. I think it's really important just to remain grounded and say, hey, look, I can get out of these situations. There is a solution. And it's just really important to remain solutions focused by focusing on that positive and believing that you'll get out of the bad situation mm-hmm. that you're in. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point to make. And I think, yeah, we have that as entrepreneurs on our journeys. Like it's truly not a straight line. Like you have the you get the moments where you're like, oh, my goodness, this is great. And then you're in a valley of, oh, my goodness, like how am I going to get through this or what I need to do next? And like, so you're trying to figure that out. So it's, I feel like it's always an ebb and flow of that. And so just being able to really ground yourself, take that like self-care, that intrinsic look. And to stay just consistent, even in the highs, not let yourself ride those like super high because then you crash coming down. I've my journey just found that. So like real good things, if really good things happen, like just, yeah, that's amazing. So grateful for that. But hey, we got to keep going kind of thing. Keep moving forward because I think we get could get caught in, in those. And when the lows come. Kind of, I'm sure I'd love to hear you explain about your love with your, your ski business, travel business. It's like, this is it. This is real. We got to figure this out. So what was that like? So you built a million dollar travel business with all these ski places and things of that nature. And then it came crashing down. Like you said, what was going through your head and what did you, what was next? Like what you're like, okay, this is, this sucks. Yeah. So what causes the crash? Uh, I guess we can start there. What? It's to be honest. Next week is actually the five-year anniversary of my quite literally my darkest day, and <laughs> it was it was really unexpected in that it basically all came crashing down on me overnight. Now, wow. so what had happened is I'd spent a lot of time building up 
the business will, as I said, all these different locations in different countries. Mm -hmm. And we had a head office. And I think at first, initially, I would have said, oh, my goodness me, it was the fault of it was the <sighs> fault of this or it was the fault of this. Then mm -hmm. after a few months of reflection, I said, no, you know what? The best thing you can do is to say, why was it my fault? And say and to yep. look back at them, all of the mistakes that I made and understand that it, it does no good blaming other things or blaming other people or blaming in situations that you have no control over. But yeah, immediately after it happened, both myself and my girlfriend were working for the company. Our income stopped. We looked mm. like we were going to lose our house. We had all these dogs. We were like, oh my God, are we going to have to live in the car? And it was a really dark time. And I think in a way that was probably quite a big motivation for me to want to try and help other entrepreneurs never face that situation because essentially some of the mistakes that I made, I had all of my eggs in one basket in the mm. sense of invested everything. I barely ever paid myself anything in this business, but any money I did get, I put it in, I had various things to put it all into the business and I had absolutely no backup, no security, nothing, because I have such faith in my business as many entrepreneurs do that actually if things do go wrong and you make mistakes as we do because we're human yep. then, then if you've got nothing as a sort of backup of any sort then you can and i think it's quite entrepreneurial it's in the entrepreneurial spirit to really believe in yourself and to really take a punt on yourself and almost to push your luck with how much you're prepared to gamble on your own beliefs and your own convictions in your business idea because that's what actually makes the entrepreneurs so powerful in the first place. But it's important to to strike that balance. Yeah. So what was it? Okay. And everything came crashing down and now you're in a state. Okay. We could lose everything else now. What was me this fault, this fall? Okay. It's my fault. You finally came to that conclusion. Like, Hey, what could I have done different? I take ownership. Basically we hear that a lot as an entrepreneur, take ownership, take responsibility for whatever happens because it comes down to us ultimately. So what then clicked or what did you shift to start building the next thing? What to get out of that valley? What'd you do? Yeah, the way what I did actually was I, I even in my depths of despair, I said, we got to pay the rent. We got to pay the bills. What am I going to do? And so I snapped into gear quite quickly and I started going and leasing property because I live in the south of mm. Portugal, a touristy area. And so this was springtime that this was going pretty bad but at that time of year i went around to various property owners saying hey look man lease me your house so i can put it on airbnb and i'll give you a profit share and actually build up a sort of portfolio if you like of multiple properties and i was running around myself doing all the cleaning all of this kind of stuff what i realized was that because this was the second time that i'd set up a company and i didn't like intrinsically make all the mistakes that i made the first time i was like wow, I know what I'm doing this time and this, this is kind of easy and, and I know how to market these things and I know how mm. to stand apart from the competition and and, uh, and actually it became it was profitable from day one and, and really turned things around very quickly. And so within a year, it sounds a bit, a bit crude to call it effortless, but because <laughs> a lot of the mistakes that I made in the first business, I wasn't making in the second. And yeah, it, it became a great success, actually. And I actually stopped doing it after a couple of years because I didn't really like it. But yeah. I, it served its purpose and it paid for me to then be able to take the time to write this book. Mm. And yeah, so I was on one hand, I kind of say that I was pretty lucky to get myself out of that hole. But at the same time, it was that entrepreneurial spirit coming through again and that belief in myself that I have to fix this situation, right? I got a choice. But yeah, you let the entrepreneurial juices flow and you just get going. 
That's awesome. And I think that's that I think that just really shows like when the times get tough, the tough get going. And I think entrepreneurship is tough. It's it's not easy. It, it could be simple, especially like you just showed. Once you learn the process and understand, it can be simpler. But it's still not easy. You still have ups and downs with that. But I think just getting out there and saying, okay, like, how can we do it? And that's something I read yesterday. I was talking about like when you're faced with an obstacle, instead of saying, why is this happening? Or why can't I achieve X, Y, or Z? Like, how? How can I get over this obstacle? How can I achieve what I want? And I think it's that shift of mindset that really can, it does. It, it's the reason that we can be successful and we can succeed is changing the way we see the problem um, and how we approach it. Absolutely. And I think that, I, see now, one of the, if I was to be able to sum up everything that I learned from my initial business successes and failure and business successes since, yeah, is, I, can, I can sum it up really as people ask me what I'm passionate about now. I'm passionate about purpose-driven business. Now, to me, what that means is purpose means having a North Star and a guiding light to, to guide your decisions that you take along the way. Because you will always find yourself in these situations of, oh, God, oh what am I going to do next? <laughs> panic, panic. Yeah. Whereas if you have this greater purpose guiding you, now this can be, I personally am a big fan of businesses which try to do good for the world and solve problems that we face in our societies and our communities and the environment but at the same time and it could even be something as simple as being dedicated to solving a problem of a particular customer experience or something like that whereas if that's the purpose then whatever situation you find yourself in you can always say okay the how if i've got a guiding light towards where that how is going to take you it makes it a little bit easier to find that solution yeah no i think that's the definitely a true statement just understanding where you're going towards or what you're trying to solve or accomplish to keep you on the right path. That path might not be a straight line. You might have to meander around some things, but it's still headed towards the same point. I, I always give the illustration of if you're climbing a mountain or you're hiking up a path, your goal is to get to the peak. Like you're, you know where you're going, you can see it and it gets closer and closer. But if you stare at that peak too long, you're going to trip up over yeah. you know, the log or the rock in front of you. So you, you got to see where you're going, but you got to watch your steps and you got to make find that path up to the peak. And you can check back there every now and again, make sure you still see it. But you got to watch where you're taking your steps too. Exactly right. So what are some of the big mistakes or the big stumbling blocks you found that you made early on with your travel business, with your ski resorts? Like what were the things that you, like looking back now, or like, oh yeah, if I would have done that different, maybe I would have not had it crash down. Yeah, I think the biggest one, first and foremost, is that there is a, there's actually a lot of mistakes that all entrepreneurs make because they feel so logical and they feel so sensible <laughs> to do. And one of the one of the biggest ones is the sort of do it myself attitude, especially when small businesses get going. And one of the frameworks which I really came to, I suppose, appreciate is the word after my business was that there's a Japanese concept called ikigai. Now I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a combination. It's a, if you can imagine a Venn diagram with the circles, yep. it's a combination of what you love doing, what the world needs, what you're good at, and how to make money. And now in hindsight, when I look back, and it was really quite a big deal for me learning about Ikigai, because I learned about it, my my first business had collapsed. And it occurred to me that every time I was out of alignment of one of these things, it affected the business negatively. Now, going back to the original point of entrepreneurs doing everything. Now, when I started doing the ski business, I'm 
I love being with people, right? I love being out and about and showing people around. And I'm really enthusiastic about travel, as you can imagine. So mm. when people came to tend to our places in France or Portugal or wherever, I really just wanted to show people around. But as the sort of initial stages of entrepreneurship, I was like, oh, my God, I've got to sit in and do spreadsheets. And I made these monstrous spreadsheets with no, I don't even know how to use Excel, right? So there was no formulas, <laughs> there was no nothing, just me typing into these things for five hours a day. And I shouldn't have been doing that because it wasn't my skill set. I hated mm. doing it. I should have yeah. been with the people. And so by looking back, I say, okay, I wasn't working to my strengths. I was doing something which I should have outsourced to somebody else who is good at that or who likes doing that. Pulling it back to this sort of icky guy concept, if you can get yourself as close in alignment to that balance between those things as you can, then it'll serve you pretty well moving forward as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that's a big one. And I know I heard the same thing when I started. Yeah, you got to release some of the things that I'm like, oh my goodness, how can I do that? I'm not barely making money on my own right now to support my family and stuff. And so being able to figure that out and once you find those people that you can trust outsource to, like it really is, it's a game changer because we can't do it all on our own. Like you can for a stint, obviously when you're bootstrapping, when you're on your own, like you have to obviously, but there's a point where you have to then start getting some of your time back so you can stay in that zone of genius. And I see a lot of people, they take too much for themselves at the beginning. Like they want a different lifestyle at the beginning. And so maybe they're doing well, but they're still doing it all, but they're taking a lot of the profit for themselves instead of investing back into business to outsource. And then they get overwhelmed and then it comes crashing down because they're everything all the time. And they didn't realize that that's what they signed up for until they outsource. So yeah, I think that's a crucial point is building something and getting to the point where you're taking enough for yourself, obviously, pay yourself first, but then getting it into other people's hands as fast as you can, that if it's not your skill set or zone of genius, that you're outsourcing that. I think that's huge. Absolutely, man. On that note as well, what I found is that the having money as your sole motivation for a business money that motivation tends to wane after a while Mm -hmm. so when i talk about having a guiding north star and again about businesses actually doing good for the world and having a greater purpose it's it comes back to to helping you with motivation as well because as i said there are times i was plugging away on that spreadsheet for many hours a day i'm just thinking I, this is not what I signed up for, man. I don't like my life right now. Ultimately, at the end of your days, that's not worth any amount of money. You've mm-hmm. got to have a life that you like. And if you are helping others, helping the world, making the world a better place, then it really is a greater longer term source of motivation and a greater motivation for your customers and staff to, to be really loyal to you. Yeah, I think it's true too. And being able to, I think, price what your value is correctly and not just be in the scarcity mindset is huge because it increases just that gap of what profit you do have to put back in the business. Because if you're just trying to be a race to the bottom and far as prices just to make money, that's going to, it's, it just doesn't work a whole lot, especially if you're in it, like what we do a service-based business with Elevate, like, like we have our team, we have to pay them and then we have to invest in the business and, and, and everything like that. So you can't be the lowest price successfully long-term as an agency and stuff. So you have to balance that too. Whereas if you have a SaaS or something, there's less back in that you might have to outsource to consistently. And so you just got to, again, go to the Ica guy like you're saying and figure out what fits and then what makes sense as far as pricing and being able to outsource. But yeah, I think that's a crucial point. What would you say is another thing that you found or learned from that first entrepreneurial 
um, journey that you would want to share with people? So the first one is letting go of some of the things and outsourcing. What would your second tip be? I think that something really important is the importance of cash flow. Now, a lot mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs will focus on profit and then get the phrase is something like how profit is vanity and cash flow mm. is sanity or something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah. But I, again, when I started off and I was doing all this spreadsheet, initially I was the first, the natural instinct as a new entrepreneur is, oh, look at my revenue, look right. at my revenue. Oh, yeah. This is so fantastic. Yeah. But if your outgoings are more than your revenue, right, then you're not doing too well, unfortunately. I think it's really good. Oh, sorry. There you go. Revenue is vanity. That was the revenue. Anyway, I forget, anyway, I forget what it was. Sorry. <laughs> something like um, that. We get the premise. Yeah, it's something like that. But yeah, so it was. it's very natural and instinctual. And again, it happens with a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with. Hey, Matt, guess how much get on, guess how much revenue we had last week? And I'm like, I don't care, dude. I don't care. It doesn't matter how much you spend to get it. Yep. <laughs> so this is a big one. This is the one thing. And again, it feels so instinctual to and so logical to, the, to people when it's the very first time they've ever done an entrepreneurial venture. Revenue is really easy to measure. You can see it. It's thing coming into your bank account. You don't have to do any calculations. It's just there in black and white. And if that's going up, you think that good things are happening. But it's uh, the calculation that matters is a little bit more complex than that, unfortunately. Yeah. You need to make sure that there's money that's going to be in the bank in six months' time. Yeah, all that EBITDA and all that fun stuff. You got to think about what's remaining and yeah, it's crazy. That's a big thing I've I learned just over this, even last year. Like that's been a huge thing is understanding that and then okay, that how do you set yourself up better going forward? And so it's you're you always are learning and you're always improving. And that's why we're looking for a good CPA because we want to take to that next level now. And and so yeah, I think that's huge. Just don't get caught up on the yeah, we brought this much in, cost us double to make that, or or we're in the or price to to outsource or to hire a team is double, you know, what? like, what do you actually get to keep? <laughs> What's actually there? Yeah, yeah. Are you in the negative or positive still? So I think that's a good thing to think about too. Don't get too excited and don't overextend, I think. I, th- I think on that note as well, what I found with myself is that I think one of the main reasons where my business ultimately came crashing down is that in the beginning stage of growing a business, the business is very dependent on the entrepreneur working really hard. And at that point, the entrepreneur is always really motivated and it's actually relatively easy to to grow your business at this stage because you just work harder and (laughs) you've probably got good characteristics to even want to do this mad stuff in the first place Mm -hmm. but actually then when you get to that next point where you have to remove yourself as this machine from the business then at that point then this is where a lot of trouble comes in for small businesses in particular is that the business then needs to start relying on its processes and its systems and so the entrepreneur can goodness me, have a day off or something right. weird like that. God right. forbid, go on a holiday for a week. Right. Holy you know, cow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Just imagine. But at that point, it's this is where you cannot rely any longer on your own hard work and motivation and grind. And that you need to actually know what you're doing to then be mm-hmm. able to scale that business from a business which is solely reliant on its on its founder grind in a way. Yeah. So to expand on that point a little. No, yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah, systems and processes. Yeah, getting those in place will make expanding and scaling so much more successful and simpler going forward. And because are you going to want to do this forever? Is it something that you're going to want to sell eventually and do the next thing or pass whatever it is? Having that structure set up allows you to say, look, this is what we make. This is our revenue. This is probably this is what we keep. All this, all the numbers here, boom. But here's our processes 
and systems that you get to step into that are already there. And it's a running machine with yeah. or without us kind of thing. So I think it sets you up I, for... I, I generally, sorry, I've got a, a great sort you, of tip for your listeners here is what I generally say to a lot of entrepreneurs starting out is that when you are in that stage of going in and starting the business and grinding away and doing everything yourself. And I've got some, I've got some friends now who I'm helping with their business. They've opened a bagel shop and a burger joint actually in the same building. It's quite a quirky, it's quite a quirky concept. But what I've said to them when they started off is from the very, very beginning, when you are doing all this grinding, just document it all. Just keep a diary Mm. of what you're doing and how you want things done. And then that diary comes Mm -hmm. your staff training manual. Mm. So basically, because when you are in that grind, you're never going to find the time to stop step back and then make all your staff training manuals right. for somebody else to come in and be trained. Whereas if you're just documenting everything that you do as you do it and how you want it done, then your staff training manuals have written themselves and then you can let go of that business more easily and allow somebody else to come in and take over. Yeah, that's a great tip. Create it as you go thing. I think that's huge just to keep things simpler. Matt, this has been good. A lot of good tips and guidance and just from your experiences, being able to show like the real world type things for those who are starting out and trying to build something. I know we mentioned your book, but I'd love for you to share again about that, where people can find you going forward if they want to connect. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Yeah, the book is called Fire Your Boss and Change the World. Ultimately, it's about creating a purpose-driven business which does good for the world. And I'll give you a quick spoiler. The quickest way to do this is just to create a thread running through your business of something that really matters to you. Now, a really quick example I'll give you is that I work with a guy who has made a coffee roasting business and he started off making making the coffee and selling it at farmer's markets and it wasn't really having a great deal of success. And so I sat down with him. I said, hey man, what's, you know, what, give me your backstory. What's your deal? And he's, I was, I'm ex-military and I joined because I really wanted to make a difference in the world. And uh, I wanted to help these places which were affected by war or military action. Mm. I was like, all right, cool, man. I said, can you source coffee from war-torn communities? And he was like, yeah, man. Because he really wanted to make a positive difference, right? So he was talking about getting these eco-roasters and stuff like mm. this. And he was like, yeah, man, I, I could start sourcing the coffee from war-torn communities, right? And I said, okay, man. So is, is there anybody, he was from DC, right? Is there anybody in your local area who you might based upon your background who could be your staff and he's like of course me there's a lot of veterans who were injured who are maybe unemployable have trouble finding work and i was like okay man you're creating a thread here from where you're sourcing your coffee to how you're sourced to it sorry how you're sourcing your staff now and i was like you're selling it at farmer's markets dude right really does this fit I was like, anywhere around near where you are, that you can maybe sell it. Man, the amount of military colleges, military bases. I was like, so you could be the coffee of the military, sourcing your coffee from, from conflict zones, staffed by veterans who are finding it difficult to find employment elsewhere, selling it to people who those two things will resonate with. And by creating a, a, a thread through your business of your purpose and of your backstory, and that, that it gives you a really powerful brand. And anyway, that's mm. sorry for the pun. That's all the book no, is about. Good. It's about how to create a thread based upon your own backstory and your own differential, which comes from your own experience, and creating a product which is a really powerful brand around it. And so my website is matt-dz.com. So it's D-E-A-S-Y, easy with a D in front. And the book will be available on Amazon and whatnot in due course. And thank you very much for allowing me to give it a shout out on your show. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate being on and sharing all these good nuggets for people to take away and implement, be able to remember when they're building their business. So guys, yeah, make sure you check it out. Beginning of the year, fire your boss and change the world. Get connected with Matt. And again, Matt, thank you for being on Elevate Your Brand. 
Chris, it's an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. 